When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Caleb Zachran, Assistant Editor of the New Books Network, and you're listening to New Books and Literature. Today, I'm speaking with Kate Farrell, Pamela Pierce, and Anthony Valerio about their new book, The Charles Street Trio, a novel in three voices. This is a unique project, and I'm excited to talk to the authors about their process and the genesis behind The Charles Street Trio. Kate, Pamela, Anthony, welcome to the New Books Network. Hi. Hello. Thank you. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you. And also thank the New Books Network for having us today. Of course. You know, I'm, I'm glad uh, to, you know, to have you all on as guests. It's always, it's always fun to, to interview co-authors uh, and hear about the process because uh, I think it's always, it's always interesting. It's different than, than solo, a solo author. Uh, so I think before talking about the book, I was wondering if you all could just uh, talk a little bit about yourself and, and your background. So why don't we start with you, Kate, maybe, and Pamela, then Anthony? Sure. Um, so I have been a storyteller my whole life. I uh, learned at the knee of my father and grandfather who were well known for their storytelling skills. Um, and so, and I've also been a writer my whole life. Um, I, when I moved to New York City in the 80s, when I met Anthony and Pamela, I had a goal of being a writer, but financial um, reality uh, hit. And so I worked in television. So um, I've worked in television since the 80s, and I've done Olympics and major sporting events, reality TV. I currently am an executive producer of the franchise Love After Lockup. So basically, I'm telling stories all day long at work, and then when I come home to write at night. And, and I, I, I'm Pamela, and I have been writing since I can write. And in the second grade, I try to write a novel about a new baby in the family. And uh, I engaged the child next door to next in the next seat to me who what could draw to illustrate it. I have no idea what happened to it, but I've been writing since since I can write. And in my 40s, I, I met Anthony and I was had the great opportunity of joining the small group that he had of, of workshops, a workshop in his apartment. And I was part of that, which is how Kate and I are here together today. And um, he also worked with me to edit some material, which I've had 
great success with, I have to say. So my writing life has had various uh, attachments to it. I was on staff at Penn American Center for 15 years, where I was the director of events and publicity. And I produced over 250 literary events. I'm also certified in the Amherst method of writing workshop leadership. And I have led hundreds of writing workshops. I have published a book, chapbook of poems, Widowland, with Green Bottle Press in London. And I continue to write. I have a variety of other projects uh, I'm working on right now. And in my, I also I want to I also make visual art, which is another way of my uh, telling stories. So very happy to be here, and thank you for this opportunity, Caleb. Anthony Valerio here. Book writer, professional book editor, which means I get paid doing that at the time, and a teacher. Um, I want, I just want to say about this project, which I'm a few feelings, um, and be, not to get into it, but about myself, is that uh, Pamela and Kate initiated uh, contact with me, and it, it's been like for me now. Uh, during the project, a writer and an editor later on. And for me, it's like a writer exploded more than 40 years ago. There was an explosion and it caught up to me and I'm in the process of it now. So you're hearing, feeling, uh, hearing emotions of uh, creativity, intense creativity. I am delighted to be part of this as a writer. That's what I would like to say at first. I was wondering if, if one of you wanted to uh, maybe introduce the, the project uh, and just tell the uh, listeners a little bit about uh, what the Charles Street Trio uh, project is and uh, what it means to work work together uh, doing writing fiction. I'll well, take, well, I'll, go ahead, okay. Kate. I just want to say that the whole project started because I was watching a television show um, and that was The Secrets of the Playboy Mansion, because I have worked with people associated with that entity. And I saw uh, Anthony on television, and this was March of this year. And I was like, oh my God, I hadn't been in touch with him for a while. So I called him, found him, we talked, we all got together, and we decided that we would write. And just in March, we started just sharing stories, one, then the other, then the other, then the other. And I'll let these guys pick up from there. Well, I thought okay. it was a social opportunity. When I heard from Kate after 30 odd years, I, I thought it was a social opportunity, which I think that our original Zoom really was. It was just nice to be in the company. And there were other people who had been in the workshop as well, were not, not part of this particular project. But we kept talking and uh, we realized that we had, uh, certainly I had, I had material, I had inventory as I, I call it. And uh, there is a piece of new material of mine. Uh, the poem in, the, in, in this book is, is, is new. And, and that's really how it started. It just felt very warm and, and, and delightful, especially in the time of the pandemic, when I myself have been feeling very isolated to be in the company of people who were really, I, I consider all, really old friends, very dear and old friends, and to create a project and collaborating really was, was just so wonderful for me. I'd like to say a few words about what the book is, Taylor Bath, what it is. What it is is, 
it's this little monster of a create creative work that is um charles street trio that is there are three artists working on the same project around the theme of early years so it doesn't meander endlessly it is directed only by a loose theme so there are more than 15 stories in it there are visuals mainly pamela's wonderful collages and photographs one of which is called a collage called the golden door which for me was a door that i could walk into after so many years and delight in creating a work together which uh, i would like to say that collaborations are not easy i've collaborated with pretty you know a few people who um how can i say were quite famous and but those were mostly editorial collaborations this was a creative collaboration and it was extremely successful and i hope your readers and listeners uh can how could i say enter this world of three artists working not at the same time not following one another following one another in order one two three but then not exactly that so it is uh, a creation of spontaneity and order at the same time so they are mainly stories around the theme of early years it's book one of a book series so uh we hope we shall be seeing you in the near future caleb you know as we go along you know? yeah ab absolutely uh you, you know you, you you all mentioned that you've known each other for a while so i, I would love to hear about how you all first met and also you know anthony i know that that you you taught pamela and kate and pamela and kate if you could talk about what it's like working with a, a former teacher of yours for me, for me, it was very thrilling. And I said to Anthony that it was wonderful. I, I was very moved to have my name on the same book as Anthony. And a highlight for me of this whole process was that one day I had several conversations with Anthony and, and we had worked on something naughty. It may have been a piece of my own work or whatever. And, and he said to me, and it was unforgettable, he said, you know, Pamela, I feel like I'm working with another professional right now. And my heart leaped up. It was a very high moment for me. I was very moved by that. So I feel like I learned so much from Anthony, not only about all the mechanics of writing that you can learn from some and practically, you know, from other people, but Anthony really endowed me with two other things. One is that creating the, uh, an identity as an artist and a major thing that he did for me where I was working on some very edgy, um, erotica with him and he said to me you know i think your, your name is a little bit too understated for what you're doing and that prompted me to go back into family records and pull out the name manche which is not my official but that gave me more of an identity a fuller sense of myself as a writer and what the possibilities were and the other thing is that anthony's routine his ability to perspire severe and to write and to be dedicated to it was I learned that from him on day one and that I have never forgotten that and he's an it's been an inspiration to me uh, for the last 30 some years yeah I mean yes Pamela I agree with everything she said um I took a class at I think it was the new school Anthony on family and NYU NYU it yeah. was a class on family portraits I'm one of eight kids 
I have a huge, you know, family on both sides. My parents both have had a lot of children in their families. So um, that seemed like a perfect thing for me. And um, after we were finished that semester, Anthony made the offer to any student in the class that wanted to come to his place on Charles Street um, on Friday nights. And we would pay like, I don't know, $10 or something. And Anthony would review what we've written that week and give us feedback. And you know, I learned about elevating language. I learned about um, uh, trusting what I felt. I wrote a family portrait during the class about my father when, and I, in it, I said that I know my father loves me. And Anthony said to me, I don't believe you. Did and I, did I yeah, you did. Mm. And um, it was for me as a young woman, um, a shocking thing to hear but he was right because I hadn't earned that statement yet. And um, I, I at first realized, I learned that I didn't need to take that personally. Like my father, you know, I could call him and say, do you love me? And he was still alive and he could say that, but it, he taught me in that moment, all that I had to earn in what I was saying. So now working with him as a fellow writer, um, I think that it's just a matter of, you know, each of us being honest with each other if we feel there's something in our writing that we could work on or not or praise each other, whatever. We don't, I, I work in a lot of writing groups and a lot of our writing groups, we edit each other's work, we, but we didn't do this here. We only edited our work at the very end to make sure that you know, content and grammar and all of that were precise. Um, but it's been really nice to uh, be, you have to have, your story has to be ready. You have to be your own editor. You have to be everything. Um, and of course, Anthony or Pamela would tell me if something was out of line in one way or another, but that's not how we worked. We were all um, sharing our writing coming from a confident and assured place. I hope that answers your question. But it's like a, it's like a highly functioning family. Yes. Where people are independent and free to do what they want, but there's a support system in place. And I think that's how I would define this as a very high, fun, a well-functioning uh, writing family. And uh, what could be better than that? Nothing. Um, I, want, I want to thank Pamela and Kay for you know, what you said about past about working together. I mean, picture this. It was a four-floor walk-up in the back of a building on Charles Street in the village. And the beauty of it is it was absolutely quiet. It was in the back and it was quiet. And on Friday night, Friday nights, they would walk up four flights and we'd work together. Now, the difference for me is, just to say, I'm really pleased and proud. I'm very proud of the work Pamela and Kate are doing. I mean, it's in process still. And uh, the main difference for me, I believe, for myself, was I was very highly trained. I was, I was, uh, I, I must have read thousands of proofreading sheets and edited paperbacks under great teachers who are no longer with us before they walked in the room. I was very highly trained, so I was confident that I could listen to, I, even, to even today, it's one of the few functions, frankly, that remain as uh, 100% is that I can listen to page, you know, 
like 20 pages and remember what was on the bottom of page four. I mean, it was just a skill you develop. It's very technical, frankly. So anyway, that's that's what happened there. And then and then, then getting back together, as Kate mentioned, for me, it's like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, where you create a monster, it's created anew. So here I am at this point in this stage, I feel created anew as a result of this project. Now, I'd like to say also about Kate's professional, Pamela's professional, when we met later on. Here's the thing that I hope. I hope that readers, readers yourself, and you might want to comment on this, feel that the work that the, that the work thus far works as a whole, that it contributes in different ways to a fictional whole, visually, prose-like, and poetry. There are different genres, very diverse. That's my hope. That would, if, I could, if that would happen with a few readers and that was successful, I would be very pleased. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would love to hear about that sort of incorporation of different genres, not just different genres of writing, but also imagery. Uh, and I also think it's interesting too that that this is you know the first installment in uh, it's it's almost like serialized. It reminds me of like a uh, and not you know novel nineteenth century novel that might be serialized in the back of a magazine uh, like Harper's or something like that. So uh, you know I'd love to hear about what that was like incorporating different writing styles and creative styles. Kate, do you want to go take that one? No. Uh, Pamela, you want to talk about that? I'll, I'll just say a little something, which is I think that it would be, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you should point that out, Caleb, because that in our original discussions, that came up more than once about serial, serializing and breaking things up and, and putting other material between parts of one, one piece of writing, for example. And uh, we... So we did talk about that, but one of the expressions that Anthony used, which was very, very helpful to me, is building. And he would say, you know, he was gathering the work and he would say, we're building. So send me work and we'll gather it all together and then we will figure it out. We'll figure out what kind of order it should, should go in and how we can break it up if we wish to. And that's how we, we arrived at this, at this final product. It was very intuitive and instinctive about how how things should work. And I think Kate pointed out about putting I don't I don't want to take language away from you, Kate, but I think you use that of cleansing your palate that the, the artwork, for example, in between different um, stories was a way of cleansing you, refreshing you. And then you move on to the next to the to the next uh, to the next story. Yeah, I want to say something about that in particular. When I first got the hard copy of the book, and I was reading um, the end of Nectar, my story that ends on page 14. And when I got to 15 and Anthony, your Coney Island photograph of the swing up in the air, it was to me, oh, I got a chill remembering it and also feeling it. It's like, you know, I'm talking about something very kind of spiritual and otherworldly. And then there is that uh, beautiful Coney Island photograph. I feel wow. like it was so well-placed and uh, that for me is a great example of how these uh, different formats, photography in particular, help this book feel like something different. Yeah. By the I, way, by the way, I just like to say, I was reading your story Nectar this morning, and it's very, for me, very powerful piece. And maybe later on, Caleb, if we could read like a half a page each, maybe, maybe we could hear that. So, 
Yeah, as, far, as, far, as far as the diversity, um, what I what I what I have what what happened was we we had we had an order of people, of three of us, doing what we what we wanted to do on the theme, and then let's say Pamela began, and then Pam or Kate began, and then then I would go, and then Pamela would go, and there would be no talk about what who should do what or what. My 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 larger scope was to me that this was kind of like a symphony. And what I was hearing was and seeing, I was seeing also different things. So what happens when you when you train as an editor, there's a sense of balance. So there was a balance of visuals, linear, uh, po poetry line, and they were all kicking in in separate ways at the same time on the same piece of music. It was a symphony of different genres, if you will, different voices, but all working at the same time in relation to being balanced. What that balance is, I probably could not say right now or draw it, but maybe someone else could, you know what I mean? We were creating it from the inside, a diverse project. That's right. what it is, that's what happened. And, uh, and and that sense of balance is impossible to describe. How do you know exactly when something is balanced and when it's off balance? If at the end there was a piece about, I think Kate's uh, mother was a sad piece, it was a great piece about loss. And I said, you know what? Let's try to end this a little bit more on the upside and humor. Maybe it needs a little humor, a balance, you know? And so there was a piece about a house painter, which was kind of, you know, so, so that's how that came in. It was what you feel is needed to create a whole that's balanced and interesting and fun, you know, fun to read. Yeah. So chorus with solos. Chorus with solos. Kate has a way of coming in with wonderful description, which which is in the uh, you know in the book trailer. Actually, those are whole, those are her words floating across the book trailer. By the way. I also want to just I want to just say briefly that I think that one of the great one of the things that, about Anthony that influenced me the most as a writer is his uh, courage in creating forms. I mean, several of the things that I created with him and Anthony went on to be editor editing my work is creating forms that are not like other forms that are out there and his his support and encouragement of my doing that. I mean, that was as 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 creative an act as there possibly could be to create forms of writing that are not that, that didn't exist before. Mm -hmm. So I really have to thank Anthony for that. And I think that his he led us through this, that we could create this this volume in a very, very different way. Um, and I got stuck on the idea that a novel, you know, there's the definition of a novel and there's also novel. Novel, the definition is something new new and not resembling something formerly known or used, original or striking in concept or style. So I went right to the word novel. What is a novel and what does novel mean? And that's what novel means. So this novel is novel. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I was actually going to ask why I call this a novel, uh, but that actually answers it very nicely. Uh, you know, two, two things that I'm wondering and you, either of you can, uh, any of you can pick up on, on either aspect of this. But just the role of of both place and family. Uh, obviously, New York features very prominently, and so do memories of of the past. So, 
I'd love to hear about what it's like writing about a place uh, and also writing about family. Well, I mean, just a few words about that. I mean, you could take the Brooklyn. How's it going? You can't take the Brooklyn. I don't know. I mean, no matter what I do, no matter where I've gone, no matter how many lives I've had, I mean, I mean, I could, you can blindfold me and I could find my way through Flatbush. And also low Manhattan, you know, in Manhattan. And it's about, I mean, I think you learn, I think, you know, you, you know, it's it's a material you know. I'm not one of those people who say you have to write about what you know. I'm I'm not saying you have to write about anything. You find your way to your material, but the material the material is rich. Now, and we've hit upon the early years as a logical beginning point of a series or a serial, as you would say. You know, I mean, uh, and and then it and it and it and it worked in that 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 it worked in to be very rich. You know. The next book, however, if you might, we're not going to get to what we're going to do next now, but just to say, we're not sure if we're going to follow the life cycle. We might interrupt the life cycle, would say, with a book about, say, romance. You know what I'm saying? I mean, possible. So uh, that's like, an, that's something that I like because I can look forward to it. I'll be traveling very soon. I'll have it with me. And then we wait to see if Kate goes first. And when she does a piece and shares it, then it's the next person. It's like a batting order. It's like a it's like a batting order. You know, it's like, you know, Kate's lead off, you know, leading off. And then, and then so that's really what it is. It's ongoing. So it's an ongoing creative process, which is really satisfying, actually. Uh, as far as place is concerned, Pamela, you want to talk about family and place? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, I think I thank you, Anthony. I think that, you know, my origin story begins in East Orange, New Jersey. And and I was very influenced by summers in Manasquan, New Jersey, the Jersey Shore. So those are the three pieces that I have in there um, or take place in those, you know, those those two locations. And they're inextricably connected. Fam, my family and those those places in New Jersey. I realized as I reread my stories recently that each one of them and, and has to do with longing. That's a thread among my three stories in here. And two of the three are my longing to go beyond where I am in East Orange, New Jersey, to live a, a more a more affluent life, uh, you know, with more more comfort and and beauty, and and the other one to have a more glamorous and exciting life than what I'm seeing around me. So my that that's what that's what I have to say about my 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 family. And, and place in 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 uh, in this book. Yeah, and just family for me, I I had just come off of uh, getting an MFA at Hunter in 2020 uh, in memoir, and you know, writing about my family is a matter of survival for me. Living with ten people in one house and one bathroom is pretty intense. Um, and so, and in 2011, my brother died. 2012, a best friend died. Uh, 
few days later, someone who was going to be married the next day drowned in the Hudson. Um, and then in 2015, my parents died 25 days apart. So for me, this family story in this uh, book right here is imbued with grief um, of loss and really of trying to survive a situation that I was born into, which continues to fascinate me. Yeah. Wow. Really, what's wonderful about this project to hear things to feel, to really feel grief that way. You know, I just, as far as I'm concerned about writing about family, I mean, I was I uh, at NYU when we were talking about that course, family portraits. NYU adopted that course from my book called Mediterranean Runs Through Brooklyn, which I have, which I was disowned after that was published. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I was trying to, I tried to explain to family to people who believe they're being written about and uncomfortable that hey you know the reviewers really love this you know they say he must have loved his characters it didn't matter i mean they just didn't like i was revealing i was revealing family secrets i tried to explain to them that it was my work it's very hard to explain to people who don't do or not the world that we're talking about that it's work it's on a theme it could be you know you could probably give us i mean now that with these experienced triple play you could give us a theme and we could probably write a book about it It doesn't have to be family it could be you know you know what i mean i mean that's really what it's like um so um uh, we became we became at the same time a small you know a small family of three which uh, is really really very really nice to me Nice for me too. It's nice. Yeah. I just want to. I just want to add that uh, I. I'm. I'm ready for there. There are two things in in two of the pieces. Well, there are things in what I have in this book that I know I have family members who are going to be uncomfortable. There, I, I. I expect that. But that's hey, you know, can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. That's right. right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. But you know, but your piece. Yeah, I. I know your pieces. There's a humor in it and love. I mean, yeah, it is. It's hard. I mean, I. That was one project where I have to say I might not have done that. I, I really mean it. It was really. How could you hey, say that? that if means. people didn't want you to write about them, they should have been nicer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would have mattered. Though. I mean, I don't really think it would have mattered. You know. Well, that's so, not look, my that's not my issue, but it's 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 good point, Kate. Very good point. So, Caleb, I don't want to tell you how to direct this, but it's one. It's coming on one forty-five. Is it possible? To read yeah, I think that's a, a half page idea. and just get the sound of the voices. Maybe your reader, your listeners would appreciate to hear what it's like. Is that okay? Absolutely. Um, you know, e either any of you could could read a section if you'd like. I, I can yeah. read one, whatever, whatever you want. Um, oh, would you like to read? Oh, sure. I, I, yeah. Could, I'm, could you, yeah. Tell I, me whatever, whatever you'd like. I, I'm happy to. Uh, okay. My, uh, is, can I go first? Can I tell Caleb what to read? Sure. Uh, on page, uh, you know what, you know what, uh, Pamela, Pamela, why don't you read a little poetry first? Would you mind? Yeah. Read? Read a little poetry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. First, I'd like to say I have the I, I have a poem in this book, but I'd like to read what, to my delight, Anthony included as an intro to this poem, where I say I fell in love with poetry as a teenager, and Williams James describes my experience perfectly. Quote. The strangely moving power of passages in certain poems read when we were young, irrational doorways as they were, through which the mystery of fact, the wildness and pang of life stole into our hearts 
and thrilled them, end quote. So I'll just read a couple stanzas of my poem, The Star. <clears throat> Listen, if you think the story of your birth will include you, you are so wrong. That dear is your mother's story. You probably came out in blood and wonder howling because she had not yet told you not to, ever. But all she said was that it was a close morning and that she had almost no pain. And in minutes, you were there, a living doll in her arms. Thank you. I love that poem. Thank you. I love the, uh, you are so wrong. <laughs> Thank you, Caleb. It's, it's true, right? <laughs> think, my, think my mom still hates me now. <laughs> <laughs> think again, Sonny. Uh, it's okay. Hey, listen, it's okay. Uh, do you mind? I mean, I hate to tell you, I, you know, read whatever you want. I was going to read from Nectar. Yeah, yeah go, go, could go you, for that. Okay. Yeah, could you, you know, I, it's really one of my favorite in a way. And and could you please make sure you read the last, you know, the last line or the last two lines? The yeah, last I'm, yeah, I'm starting on page 13. Okay, okay. Because this is, I think, for me, one of the best paragraphs I feel like I've written. But I, look, I agree. Thank you. Mom, her four surviving siblings, and her parents slugged out of life in Fishtown, North Philadelphia, in a brick home where each of their six southern facing windows peered out onto Palmer Cemetery, the plots populated with veterans of the Revolutionary and Civil War. I wondered if my mother lay in bed at night with the ghost of veterans, of shad fishermen who gave the neighborhood its name, of Lenape turtle clansmen and William Penn, who together signed a treaty under an elm tree, just a short walk from mom's childhood home. She must have rummaged through the spirits that haunted her humble neighborhood on those nights when the breeze from the Delaware River delivered nectar, rising from the sugar factory, blowing west on cobblestone streets, flowing through alleys and past clotheslines, that sweetness landing in her dreams to connect my mother with her baby sister, who now wore wings in place of a backbone. Thank you. And very powerful. That's beautiful. And also powerful, as far as you know, my ear, my senses are. Yeah, the, the last line, I, I see why you requested that to be read. So. Yeah. Taylor, um, for my part, if you would, there's, there's a division of a story about a boy's uh, little bicycle, which you know, one of the editorial changes you might be interested in was, that was one piece divided by two, a divided piece divided by a piece of art. So what happened? What happened here with this project? All piece be, all pieces begin to fragment off, which is you know it's kind of like you know kind of like a dream or a nightmare actually sometimes. And so so there's a fragment of a, two pieces called the the, um, the blue streak. Blue streak. So we, what I you know I'd like to do together would be a nice thing to do together you and me, is that. Um, you can, you read the beginning and then I'll pick up, I'll pick up where well, you could start with page 44. Um, to say, you say at page 44 at the top, he was in the sunlight. Okay, I'll go. Okay. He was in the sunlight. The corner was only two houses away, but he suddenly put on the brakes, stood up and looked around for the old man. He'd be working in his garden, stooped low among his flowers and ivy and emerged from it like a beast from the wild, slowly with measured steps. He was big, bigger than Dr. Pico, Frank, and Mr. Rapelli. The old man blocked the whole sidewalk in a vision of the corner. He had hair white as snow and a square red face. 
As he approached the blue streak, he smiled, and from his smiling lips and white teeth, the boy had heard it for the first time when he was four, and heard it every day when the sun was out until he was six. Hi there, little Anthony boy. It was a great booming voice. It shook the trees and froze the boy. He dropped his hand from the wheel, tensed his arms, and surrendered his neck. The old man pinched a section of skin and pulled up. He looked at the tops of the trees. Gritting his teeth, he said, Hi, Mr. Laclaca. The boy's mind fought for the magical words that would release the grip. He could, ask for the, he could ask after the old man's daughter with the Mona Lisa smile, Amelia. Maybe that's how old men, old men knew when he, was in, when he was driving up. He missed having his son, and every morning when the sun was out, he hid in his garden and watched him set the blue streak on the corner. Then he timed his work with the tour around the block. Mr. Laclaca didn't mean, mean to hurt him. You could tell from his smile. He blocked the sidewalk really, and truly just to talk to the little boy, the little boy who lived on the corner, who hadn't as yet heard that many big people talk, so he wouldn't mind the strange accent. He might also understand that his old neighbor with the white hair and eager face was lonely. His heart was in the country of his native language, and that in America he used his hand instead of his mouth. He said only, hi there, little Anthony boy, because he didn't know anything else to say. Hold on. Like, you, could, you, could, you could cut it there. That's yeah. a good place to, un to cut it, to end it. Very nice. Thank you, Kel, for reading. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's, a, it's a great, I, you know, I, I, I like the, um, you know, the fact that everything is, is, is so snapshot oriented and it just, it's almost like for each, each, you know, section is kind of like a photograph um, in a way. And obviously, you know, there's, there's photos throughout. Um, and, and Anthony, you actually took many of those photos. I was wondering if you could talk about the, yeah, the yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I also, well, I, yeah, before I do that, I also want to say how the major contribution visually also from, from Pamela's point of view, how collages are really, really worth, uh, you know, look at having actually. Uh, well, uh, again, it was on a theme and, and also one of the issues that arose, for example, where, uh, you know, some of the production, oh, I can't do this in color. So we had to scrap that. So I had to slot in a piece about childhood and then I, I had done a photo shoot of Coney Island. Actually, I was hired to do that, so I had some of those, and they, some of those are in color, uh, uh, color which are not in the book. So we made put up a website to show the photographs and the original how they should look, right, in color, in, in color, and so forth. So there, editorial issues came up, but the photographs, the photograph. Uh, Pamela, Pamela is a serious collagist and photographer. I mean, a creative um, visual artist. Um, I, I, I haven't taken photographs in a while. Don't ask me why. It's only when I go to Italy, I take, you know, take a handheld Minolta and I take photographs and they, they actually became very popular. It's just something I do to alleviate the loneliness of the kind of life we lead. I mean, the kind of life, a writer's life, an artist's life, you know, so I can get out in the afternoon. But so that's how that happened. We happened to have all of the material that we needed for this volume. We just had it. We had, you know, we started putting it together like 40 years ago. Uh, the, the last question I'd want to ask before we have to, to go, uh, and of course, you know, please come back when the second volume comes out, comes Thank back, you. comes out. Thank you. Uh, but I was just wondering, you know, if, if there's, it, you mentioned a little bit what, what might be next, but, uh, you know, is there anything else you guys are working on, either the second volume, if you want to share about that, uh, or anything, anything else? Kate, Kate's, 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 Kate's lead off on this one. I think I put, put pressure on her. Man. 
we we talked it, about yeah go ahead Kate. Yeah. yeah um you know i i also have written a series a television series that i'm hoping someone buys so um that's something but for this um next volume i'm writing about the body um and i'm working on a story a story i've already written but um because of a lot of different things that have happened since i've written it it's different and it's deeper and it's a little bit harder to um just you know fly off and say here it is um but it's about women and their bodies and um what women always uh, i don't know one woman who hasn't had her body somehow violated in the world in this life and so it is about that um and that's what i'm exploring and um, I'll just say in ending that I am going to be reading this poem on the air. I am poet at large on Planet Poet, Words in Space, WIOX Radio in Roxbury, New York. And I will be, will be coming up, we'll be recording that next week. And I'm going to do my spot uh, on poetry that connects uh, about women, women and their mothers. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. And um I'm excited about that. And this is a, this is wonderful today. I really, I've enjoyed this thoroughly, Caleb. So thank you so much. Of course. Yeah. Anthony, um, do you have any? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Yes. Uh, following, you know, the question was about volume two and then Kate, uh, Kate, you know, in general spoke about the quote, the body. So I, 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 I hope, I, I believe that um, we're going to follow suit and follow that theme. That's Kate's lead. Pamela and I agreed to do that. Now, here, one of the images I just want, I could end with this because I had thought about beginning with it, is my first introduction to at, uh, Columbia was um, Remembrance of Things Past with eight volumes of truth. And I, I was not studying, I was on probation, I was a terrible student at that time. And, uh, but, so, but then I met a French teacher and he said, you know, Anthony, I think you might like this writer. You might like, Marcel Proust. And when I opened the book, and I had, you know, I was living on Broadway, I was living with um, Buddy Rich's band, Traveling Man. So what, when I started reading it early on, and this is how I feel now, is I love the world of fiction. It's hard to describe. It's like, I, it's like walking into a room of invented characters, of invented dialogue that was beautiful to me. Now his rhythm is—it was rhythmic, it was musical. It was sheerly beautiful, and I really never left that room. So this, so, so what we're talking about now in book two, of looking forward to the body. I'm sure there's a storehouse somewhere, or these ghosts walking around talking about bodies that we'll 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 pursue in volume two. Sure. So listen, thank you very much yeah, for this. Wonderful. I really so enjoyed much. this. Yeah, thank, thank you very much.